Well, good morning. I heard a call there. See you. I see you. I see you. Glad to have you with us this morning. If you're visiting with us for the first time, if you wouldn't mind filling out the white card in the seat back in front of you, put that in the offering plate as it goes by later. That way we have a record of your visit. We would appreciate that. Welcome to Cottonwood Bible Church. Some announcements this morning. Ministry opportunities, if you missed it, 9.15 a.m. is our Bible study in Sunday school class. And um, Daniel, what was the name of the study that we started in Sunday school? Current culture. Okay, current culture. So just started a new study in the adult Sunday school class called Current or Current Culture. And Daniel just started that this week, which was great. It was uh, a lot of pretty neat... Uh, um, Pretty teaching method. I like that. So it was, it was good. And then uh, 10 a.m. snack fellowship where we have our snacks next door. You're welcome to come and enjoy, you know, coffee and, you know, bread and cheese, fruit, all that kind of good stuff. And then morning service, which you're in now at 1030. And then ladies Bible study. I forgot to ask, but I think I heard that it is a go for tonight. So, yeah, you see a lot of head shaking. So ladies Bible study. And if you're interested in that, you can see Miss Judy. Is she in the nursery today? Is that where it is? She's in the nursery, okay. So Miss Judy, so ladies' Bible study is a go for 5 o'clock tonight. If you're interested in that, Miss Judy, she's in the nursery. You can see her. And Wednesday, Gospel Care Community Group here at the church building from 6 to 8. We have uh, a, a bring a favorite dish. We share a meal together. And then Jim's been doing a study on that in that hour as well, like usually around 7-ish, somewhere around in there. So that's on Wednesday night here at the church building. Come at 6 for the meal, 7-ish if you just want to come for the study. So, and then there's a fellowship meal today, and this is all in your bulletin. So if you want to, if you have a, a bulletin, you can kind of follow along. But a fellowship meal today, we're having a fellowship meal every second Sunday of the month. We have a fellowship meal here at the church. So we bring, everybody brings their favorite dish, and we share a meal after the service. And even if you didn't bring one today, I'm sure there's plenty of food over there. You're welcome to come. There's not a problem. You don't have to be feel bad about it or anything like that. Just come and enjoy a meal with us. Come share a meal with us. And that is today after the service. So in after the service, you can come and enjoy the meal in the fellowship hall with us. And now, Jim's going to come up and talk to us about a few things. I feel like I'm supposed to have something in my hand. I don't know. You want one of these? Did you? That's weird. I feel awkward. <laughs> okay, good morning. Hi. Um, <laughs> Uh, so we have a couple more weeks, because uh, it's not this Friday, it's the f- next Friday. I uh, got an email from um, Daryl Gust- Gustafson saying, hey, don't forget, a couple weeks, there's still spots available. So if you're interested in both of the, um, uh, 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 the, the all-day women's conference, as well as the Friday-Saturday conference for Trials in the Goodness of God, Friday and Saturday, and the women's conference is uh, 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 Seasons of Life. So there's flyers in the back for those, for both of those. Pick those up and then uh, you can register with uh, the, the flyer, uh, the brochure. There's a part, part on the back. You can tear that out and mail that in or you can go online and also um, uh, uh, register that way. So I want to make mention of that. And then uh, we're coming up to, um, uh, we're going to have our members meeting in December the, I know it's, it can't, it can't, isn't it weird I looked at the calendar this morning and went wow it's already October 11th it's like we're almost halfway done with October it's just really odd um, we have our members meeting in December the second week of December eight weeks from that we have to 
um, as according to our constitution, we have to bring up nominations for our church clerk, for our treasurer, and then elders and deacons. So if any of you members uh, have uh, thoughts for me for elders and deacons, you can come speak with me uh, to bring up a nomination that would take place on October 25th. Uh, and then I'll also bring up the nomination for church clerk and also treasurer. Um, and it's going to be really quick. Right after the service, we'll just do a quick uh, uh, special call members meeting to do the nominations. And then uh, all of you members can be praying through that for the nominations that were set before you. Uh, if you got th- thoughts or questions for me, please feel free to ask. And then I think you got... Do I have this one too? Okay. And then also, that, that day is like a really jam-packed... That weekend's a jam-packed weekend. Um, because then that evening, we have the uh, Yalapai Baptist, Baptist Association for Southern Baptists. We have our annual meeting... Uh, that Sunday, October 25th at uh, First Southern Baptist Church in Chino Valley. I think the time there is six. Does it say six on there? It should say. Or five. 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 five that's right. Five to seven. Five. Then they do a dinner and then uh, then they'll have the, the business part of the meeting after that. So um, uh, a special speaker coming in for that. So, uh, so if you're interested in being a part of that, you can let me know. If you want to be, some of you members want to be, with, um, uh, I just forgot the term. Thank you just went out of my head if you want to be one of the messengers for the annual meeting just let me know because I can put you down as one of the messengers so um, I think right. that's it for me right yep, that's okay. well almost but oh that's, that's right I have some more yeah. but then you yeah. go ahead yeah I got one thing I'll intervene in the middle and it is in your bulletin so there is a youth night coming up the end of this month and that's going to be at the Matthews house so they're hosting a youth night and Michael's like right there is <laughs> no, there's a, there's a youth night at the Matthews House on October 30th at 6:30, and you bring a snack to share. And uh, if you need to know where to go, Michael will let you know, and he'll probably send you the wrong place. But anyway, he'll let you know where to go. And that is um, on October 30th at 6:30 for a youth night. And then I think it's back to you. And then last again, uh, we speak about the importance of, of being baptized. We speak about the importance of becoming a member of Cottonwood Bible Church, the ABCs of CBC. How, what's most important is the gospel. We want to be a church that's shaped by the gospel. And if you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not a follower of Him, and you want to know more about what that means to become a follower, you can speak with any one of the members, but I'm available as well. You can speak with me after the service. So, And then today we have our uh, fellowship meal, so if you want to talk about the gospel and what that means to be a Christian, I'd love to speak with you as we're eating lunch together. So... So that's it then, don't we? Is that correct? I believe that's all of our announcements this morning, so let's stand together as we sing. Majesty, you are holy, 
Celebrate the light when I stumble in this darkness. I will call your name by night. God wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy, holy. Universe declared your majesty. You are holy, holy, Lord of heaven and earth. Lord of heaven and earth. Hallelujah to the Lord of heaven and earth. Hallelujah to the Lord of heaven and earth. Hallelujah to the Lord of heaven and earth. You are holy, holy. God wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy. Holy, the universe declares your majesty. You are holy, holy, Lord of heaven and earth. Lord of heaven and earth. Great God of highest heaven, occupy my lowly heart. Own it all and reign supreme. Conquer every rebel power.
Let us pray. Our God and Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning to praise you and adore you. How awesome is your power that you created all things and are in control of all things, that for nothing is too big or too small, that it escapes your greatness. How great is your wisdom that you can lead us and guide us, close a door and open, open another, give us trials as well as blessings, and shepherd us all of our lives until we are exactly where you want us and finally home in heaven with you. How deep is your love and how boundless is your mercy that no matter how grave our problems, how terrible our mistakes, how shameful our secrets, and how often we stumble and fall, we can pray to you for forgiveness. We can find in you our salvation. You never, ever forget your promises. We confess that we are lazy, thoughtless, weak, greedy, and so often self-righteous. And we confess that through all of it, we forget you. We wander around in the darkness. We do not seek and move towards you. Forgive us, Lord, our sins and our shortcomings. May your peace and loving presence occupy our thoughts and our hearts right now, throughout this day that you have made. And I pray, Lord, that we honor and glorify you throughout this day, that we take everything that we hear today and apply it to our lives, and that we seek you, that we seek you first. And it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please remain standing. We're going to read together Isaiah 42, verses 5 through 10. This is what God, Yahweh, says, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you for a righteous purpose, and I will hold you by your hand. I will keep you and appoint you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the nations, in order to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those sitting in darkness from the prison house. I am Yahweh, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. Look, the former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things. I announce them to you before they occur. Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing His praise from the ends of the earth. Amen. Please be seated.
Let's stand and sing. My hope is in the Lord. O great God of highest heaven, you are Lord of heaven and earth. How amazing that you willingly hear us, you desire to listen to us, worship you in song, reading your word, in prayer, even now. You are our only hope, our joy our satisfaction, our great desire. It's all wrapped up in you and your eternal Son who lived, who died, who rose. So that there's no sin that we've done. There's no wrath that we will face or you will not bring forgiveness and grace to a bunch of rebellious, flagrant hypocritical sinners every single one of the of us in this room you should condemn us 
we're not even worthy to breathe another breath. And it's your grace that's allowing our hearts to beat even now. That we would breathe, that we could live. And just in these few moments as we pray together, may that heart that's beating, may the deepest thoughts and intentions of the heart be yours. Be yours, Father. As you hear our cry to you, as we pray for Julie, may she continue to pay eager and fervent attention to your confirmed word like a light in thick darkness but that her knowledge of your word would increase making changes transforming her life for your glory give her grace in times of weakness and sorrow for her to have great joy in the Lord Jesus Christ that you would rescue her from temptation trials so she can endure bearing through it satisfied in you alone Father and in your Son Jesus Christ we pray for First Southern Baptist Church of Cornville we lift them up to you may they heed your word with a commitment to obedience and submission to it no matter what stones are turned to be on the alert ready for return of your son celebrating your great grace shown to them Lord Jesus Christ they'd be a church focused on the word remembering your grace to them they'd be bold with the gospel with a clear understanding of the gospel we pray for Todd their pastor he would proclaim a clear precise efficient understanding of the gospel he would preach your word he would shepherd your church from the word. He would love his wife. He'd be a man of integrity. Protect this church, we pray. And Father, we pray for Eric Woods, specifically his son, Zach. Give them grace to trust in your promises, in your goodness, and your sovereign plan, and the gospel of grace. It's our prayer to see Zach improve. It's our prayer, will you pray for healing for him so he can go home? But in the midst of this, give Eric and Lori great, great joy in Jesus Christ. May they be dominated, may they be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And you've given us as a church just a heart for people, a heart for the world. And you've given us a heart for the people of Vietnam. We pray for them. We praise you that your church is growing. Among the mountain tribal people, among the Hmong and Kin people, et, with drugs, AIDS, prostitution, exploiting children, a communist anti-Christian government. We pray that the lights of the gospel will banish evil. That the gospel would flourish 
that you would flourish the proclamation of your gospel and destroy the, the veneration and worship of their ancestors. That your truth would be clearly and effectively proclaimed. So we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Our Vietnamese brothers and sisters, they face harassment. They face discrimination. Persecution. Some of them are in prison. May they stand firm. May they endure. Help them to be faithful, to be bold. Unify them in the gospel. We pray for their leadership. They need leadership development and training. It's so crucial for sound doctrine and yet their pastors have no time. There's multiple congregations that they're pastoring. We pray for your grace you would give them the vital training that they need and that you we, we pray you would provide in that way father you would move use us how can we reach out to them how can we minister to our Vietnamese brothers and sisters and we seek ways and we pray for those less reach those in the north Muslim Cham the Buddhist Khmer, the communist party members, we pray for them. Government officials and military personnel, these were, want nothing to do with the gospel. We pray you would open hearts to your gospel, your truth. And for us who are here today, stretch us, grow us, change us, transform us by the gospel through the power of your Spirit. We pray in the name of your Son. Amen. Please be seated. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 13 let's go to Acts 13 if you're visiting with us you can look at and find look for and find that black Bible in the chair in front of you pull that out that's good pull that out and uh, go towards the back to page 104 104 Acts 13 we're going to do just 10 verses today 42 to 52 42 to 52 of Acts 13. For some reason, the PowerPoint seems to be a little slow, so if you're starting to sing, just hold that note. Uh, no, just kidding. So, she's running slow today. Acts 13, 42 to 52, let's read and we'll do our study. And as Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. Now when the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and of the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, were urging them to continue in the grace of God. 
And the next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and contradicted the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. Since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For thus the Lord has commanded us, I've placed you as a light for the Gentiles. You should bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. But the Jews aroused that about women of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The title of the article reads health mergers might mean higher prices for patients. Spark your interest? When buying a new washer, the article begins, when buying a new washer or dryer, people don't think twice about shopping for the lowest price. I mean, maybe you've done that, you, you had to buy a dryer, you had to buy a certain product or whatever, you, you shop around, right? In fact, not doing so often means paying too much. But comparison shopping is hard to do in healthcare. And it's going to get harder, experts say, as health conglomerates swallow independent hospitals and physicians' practices. The bottom line, less choice could mean big prices for patients. The article goes on. I'm sure this marks your interest. I'm sure it sparks the interest of the majority of the people, majority of the Americans. I mean, do we want to pay higher prices for procedures, for surgeries, for different things? I don't want to do that. No way. I mean, I mean, we're definitely concerned about our health and our wallet. Right? I mean, but, I mean we want to receive the best health care, but we don't want to pay the highest price. Now, sometimes we want the best health care at the really cheapest price. I don't know if that's possible can't have the best of both worlds but we definitely if, if it's a high price and, and, but what if we really need a procedure we're concerned about our health we're concerned about our health care I mean we, we, we pay hundreds of dollars in premiums right we're concerned about our physical health we're, we're concerned about what we eat we're concerned if we go to the doctor, he says, you know, you need to lay off that soda. Ward, oh, he's drinking soda. Or Daniel having chocolate during the Sunday school class. I don't know. You got to lay off that stuff, right? You got to go on a diet. You got to exercise. We're concerned about our physical health, and yet why are we not as concerned about our spiritual health? Why is that not important to us? Why is our spiritual growth not as important to us? I mean, we will make sure we're getting the best health care at the best price, and yet 
for some reason for us as Christians to spend time maybe 10 minutes reading God's word every day that's not happening and then we wonder why we struggle with sin and then we wonder why we struggle with suffering and then we wonder why we struggle with persecution we're trying to talk to somebody about the gospel and then they just knock us down and and just trample all over us and then we just walk away with our tail between our legs and we wonder why as we come to this part in Acts just do it let's just be who we are let God use us to fulfill this mission we come here to this question or really an answer to a question and the question is what is a healthy church member we've talked about what is a healthy church but what is a healthy church member or Christian how can you gauge your growth as a Christian how can you gauge your growth as a follower of Jesus if you are a member of a church which you should be if you are a member of a church how do you know if, if, if you're healthy as a church member how do, you, how, how do you know how do you gauge it what is a healthy church member here healthy church members they prioritize these seven characteristics to bring about true real spiritual growth in their lives. I'm going to give you seven from our passage today. Seven characteristics that that we as Christians should prioritize. This is how you can gauge growth. This is how you can gauge your spiritual growth. As a follower of Christ, specifically as a church member, this is how you can do it. And actually, I'm going to give it to you right here, right off the bat, and then we'll go through each one. Healthy church members, remember God's grace. Focus on the Word. Prepare for opposition. Confront error. Trust God for fruit. Proclaim the Gospel. Are filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. Now there's probably more. There's not the only ones, obviously. But from our passage here, seven. Now again, we're going to go through each one of these. Let me give some preliminary thoughts and then we'll go through each one of these one by one. Remember last week, Paul showed us the gospel, showed us bringing a Savior, um, preparing for that Savior, that, G- that the Father killed the Savior and then he resurrected the Savior. Now there's forgiveness of sins. Now you can be justified. He, he proclaims the gospel, right? Or how to give the gospel to a Jew. Hey, I did that on Friday. I did that with Gary. Were you, were you sitting there? Or did you leave? Like, of course, it's when you leave. So yes, uh, give the gospel to Gary. I said, I said, hey, I was thinking about you all last weekend. He said, really? He says, why? I said, oh, it's not being recorded. Anyways, uh, it is being recorded. Um, and he said, why? I said, well, there was a passage that, that I was preaching through and I thought about you. He's like, really? He's like, well, what was it about? I'm glad you asked. So it's funny because I, 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 I had then that Friday morning I was walking through it and then I had stopped at, at when I came to the baptism of John when I was walking through it. So when I came to that part when I was talking to Gary I kind of, everything kind of shut down. <laughs> my, my, my mind kind of went blank and I went, oh no, what's after that? So I had to run through the passage. I was able to give him the gospel. Gary's a Jew who lives in Jerome. 
give, give them the gospel from that passage. That was kind of cool. Anyways, so this is, this is what Paul does. He gives the gospel to the Jews and then God-fearing proselytes and Gentiles, Greek-speaking people who are God-fearers. So now he comes to this point. Now we come to this part of the passage. It, it, the, the synagogue's over with. What's the response? What happens now? We shall see as the response comes about. Healthy church members. Now let's walk through the passage and look through our characteristics. Healthy church members. Number one, remember God's grace. 42 to 43. Remember God's grace. And as Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. They were so struck by what Paul and Barnabas said. They continually urged them to come back and preach more to them. Preachers hardly ever get this. This is a dream for preachers. All of you should be laughing. Actually, none of you should be laughing. Why are you laughing for? Shame on you. Preachers hardly ever get this. Come back for more. It's more like, golly, isn't it lunchtime already? When's that guy going to shut up? They were interested in hearing more about the Lord Jesus Christ. They were so impacted. Now, it's not to say that these all responded to the gospel. We'll actually see some did respond. We'll see that in the next verse in just a second. They definitely wanted to hear more about the word of the Lord. So not all of them had just, at that point, repented and trusted in Christ. But notice, it says in verse 43, that when the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, they were urging them to continue in the grace of God. When the meeting was over, these Jews and, and God-fearing proselytes, they followed Paul and Barnabas. Now, these were Jews, along with non-Jews, who embraced the God of Israel. So apparently some had responded to the message of grace. To the gospel. And, and Paul and Barnabas, speaking to them, said, Remain, or stay in God's grace. In other words, for them to remain faithful in God's grace. Which is another way of saying to encourage them to stay in the gospel or to remain in the gospel they needed to remember to stay in the gospel they needed to remember God's grace remember the gospel that's how you can gauge yourself Christian if you're healthy if you remember God's grace to you because if you do the opposite, you remember what you, you say, I have to get God's acceptance. I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this and this and this. No, you don't. That's it's not going to get the acceptance of an absolutely holy God. I mean, how does the song go, the gospel? Holy God in love became perfect man to bear my blame. On the cross, he took my sin. By his death, I live again. That's the gospel song. I live by faith in the Son of God. I'm dead to sin, but alive to God. I'm changed now. I'm changed by the power of God's grace in my life. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm a slave of righteousness. The Father loves me and the Lord Jesus Christ. His love is conditional. I should be condemned and yet He shows grace to me in Jesus Christ. I'm united to Jesus and God loves me in His Son. It's remembering God's grace. Sin no longer has power over my life. 
It's remembering I'm crucified with Christ and I no longer live. It's remembering that Jesus Christ lives in me. It's remembering the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered Himself up for me. Praise His name. See, how do you know if you're healthy as a follower of Jesus? Specifically, as a church member, how do you know is when you remember God's grace to you in the gospel? The cross is resurrection. Number two, you focus on the Word. You focus on the Word. Verse 44, starting there. And the next Sabbath, the next Saturday, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the Word of the Lord. Seems like that's a better some of your Bibles might say Word of God. Different manuscripts say different things. Seems like mm, it favors more Word of the Lord. But here we see that on, on this next Sabbath, nearly the whole city had come out to the synagogue to hear Paul and Barnabas preach the Word of the Lord, what God had done in and through His eternal Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Word got out word got out from the maybe the God-fearing proselytes about, about Paul and Barnabas so they're telling everybody about the message of Jesus Christ they're telling everyone you should you, should, you gotta hear these guys and, 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 and the message of salvation is for all of us so all these Gentiles like jam-packed inside the synagogue if you can imagine that <laughs> people have never even set foot in a synagogue were there people that weren't there, there's no way you're gonna get me in that synagogue they were there Hear Paul and Barnabas. What sparked their interest? Well, Paul's a goofy looking guy. Let's go check him out. Barnabas is like this really cool looking guy. Let's go. No. They're handing out $20 bills, or I guess it'd be shekels. They're handing him out $20 shekels, you know. $20, whatever that means. Anyway, they're handing out shekels. I'm saying, no, it's not that. What was the thing that sparked their interest? It was the word of of the Lord. Do you know that the word of the Lord or word of God is used four times in the ten verses that we're looking at? Verse 44, the word of the Lord. Look at verse 46. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you. Look at verse 48. The Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and glorified the word of the Lord. Look at verse 49. And the word of the Lord is being spread through the whole region the word of the Lord the word of the Lord what sparked the interest of these people it was the word of the Lord and yet unfortunately in many churches today preaching is done to people's felt needs including the need for entertainment because that's what people want appeal to my felt needs I need a better marriage be a better parents I need to be better this I need more money I need my health fixed and churches do this to draw a bigger crowd and they end up watering down the message of the gospel no sin no judgment no hell etc Instead, it's, it's, it's entertainment. Instead, it's, it's, it's not the appeal of the word of the Lord, but it's the appeal of, of, of people. 
Well, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to the called, when you talk about the cross and Christ, salvation, that's the power of God. Uh, That the almighty just God should judge us rightly, but he shows mercy and grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who lived, who died, who rose. The focus should be on the word. So a healthy church member will focus upon God's word, the Bible, knowing that this book is God's, quote-unquote, as one has written about it, love letter to his people. He speaks to us only from his word. Church member, are you reading God's word? Do you long for it? Do you long for him? This is how God speaks to us. It's not through some incantation, not through sitting in a group and being quiet. He's going to speak to you. No, it's from His Word, His sufficient, inerrant Word. That's how He speaks to you. Do you read? Christians should embrace the Word. Christians should be reading his word. That should be a priority for us. So how do, you, how do you know if you're a healthy church member? How do you know if you're a healthy follower of Christ? You remember God's grace. You remember the gospel. And, and two, you focus upon the word of God. Number three, you prepare for opposition. You're preparing yourself for opposition. You're, you're ready you're ready for opposition or you're alert to it verse 45 we'll start there and then we'll hit verse 50 when the Jews saw the crowds they were filled with jealousy and contradicted the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming so so many people had come to hear Paul and Barnabas I mean Gentiles were jam-packed I mean standing room only and the Jews got so excited about this positive reception I mean they were excited to hear that, that other, all these Gentiles were going to hear the, the gospel the message of grace the Jews were excited no they weren't excited it caused the Jews to oppose or resist Paul to, to slander him or to blaspheme now, it's hard to determine who are these Jews who are doing this. Some think they're Jewish leaders. Others think it was the group that, that Paul addressed in verse 16, which we looked at last week. Well, whoever it was, they contradicted him, slandered Paul because they were filled with jealousy. They didn't want Gentiles to have the, any part of the promises. They wanted power. They wanted control of the people. They wanted to draw them in through Judaism, not through this message. See, when push came to shove, he objected to the way Gentiles could become connected to the God of Israel. I mean, if you want to be connected to God of Israel and Judaism, you had to be baptized, you'd be circumcised as a Jew, you had to go through this ritual, blah, 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 and then, okay, you're all right now. Not through repentance and trusting Jesus. Well, their zeal for the covenants of promise blinded them to seeing that God's promise was for anyone and everyone who turned from sin and 
put their trust in Jesus. It's not just for Jews. Matter of fact, it's, it's not about becoming a Jew, but you repent and trust in Jesus Christ. Well, due to their rejection, they became the scoffers of verse 41. That Paul talked about, Behold, you scoffers. So, so what does this mean for us? What do we take away from this? Be prepared, friends. Friends, be prepared. Be alert. When we proclaim the gospel of grace, when we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, when, when that's a purpose of us, of ours, we will face opposition. Whether it be through persecution, like you see here in our text, or just suffering in general. Physical suffering. Because the enemy hates the message of truth. He hates the gospel of grace. And he wants to destroy you. Notice what happens in verse 50. There's a spreading of the word of the Lord. Verse 50. But the Jews aroused about women of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. So they incited prominent women who then moved the city's leadership to act against Paul and Barnabas. Seems like these women were from the upper class that controlled the Jewish community in the city. They incited the highest representatives of the city to kick Paul and Barnabas out. They created a reaction against the Gentile outreach, kicked them or threw them out of the city. Friends, listen. When we are doing God's will, in God's church, God's way, proclaiming the gospel, news, the good news of grace to others, we may end up facing persecution. They will oppose you. You will face opposition. Not everybody's going to like you. It's the way it is. Now praise God, praise God, he gives us His sustaining grace to endure, right? Amen. We must be ready. We must be alert. We must be ready that as we are remembering His grace and as we're focusing on His Word and later on we're going to see one of the points that we talked about already, proclaiming the gospel. We're doing that. You've got to be alert. You're going to face opposition. Which leads to number four. Healthy church members confront error. They graciously confront error. Notice how Paul and Barnabas didn't put up with this. 46 to 47, Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly or freely. They said it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. To them the word of God should be given. First be given. To give them God's word first. What, why is he saying that? It was only proper to give the message them is the Jews. It was only proper because it's Israel's history to her fathers, to her people that the promises of blessing and a great descendant the promise to Abraham and David respectively were given. Therefore the word should be given to them first. The gospel message is the fulfillment of God's original promises to the nation of Israel. 
So it's only appropriate that the Jews have a prior right to hear how God has brought salvation in His Son, how we fulfilled His promises in Jesus. It's, it's only right for that to happen. But notice he says, they repudiated it, repudiated it, judged themselves unworthy of eternal life, and he said, we're turning to the Gentiles. Let's unpack that, those statements. First, rejection. Or repudiated, repudiated, blah, blah. repudiated it. Say that ten times real fast. They th- the word means to thrust out. They thrust it out or they took God's word and pushed it aside. They pushed it away forcefully. No, we don't want that. They wanted nothing to do with the message because they were jealous. They wanted it all for themselves and their way on their terms. Now you've probably never talked to anybody about that before. How they want God on their terms, their way. Oh, never. That never happens, right? I'm laying the sarcasm on real thick here, people. That's what they want. They want it for themselves. Their way. On their terms. And that's why he says the next part, uh, and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. In other words, the message of salvation is the hope of eternal life. So they're unworthy of the message of salvation. They're unworthy of it. See, to embrace the gospel, one must come to God with complete and total humility. You don't come to God on your terms. You don't come to God in your way. You come to God on His terms, in His way. Or another way to put it, when one admits she or he is a sinner, deserving God's just wrath, one admits that only the Lord Jesus Christ, His life, death, and resurrection, is the only one who can save them. They come as they are, but with a humble, repenting heart, turning to Jesus Christ in faith. And they realize, you know what? Yeah, God, you need to change me. I, I'm just despicable in your sight. Save me, change me, take me. I'm yours. That's what that means. But they pushed that away. They showed themselves unworthy of this. And then notice what he says, therefore, we're turning to the Gentiles. Not that this turning away from Jews was absolute, I'm no longer going to talk to Jews. Not, not doing that, but just for this city in Perga, he and Bar- or excuse me, in Pisidia, Antioch, he and Barnabas were proclaimed the gospel to Gentiles outside the Jewish context now, outside the synagogue context. There would be no connection with the synagogue now. There's no coming to the synagogue and people coming. No, he's not going to do that anymore. He's going to go outside of the synagogue now. Friends, when people oppose us, we confront them with truth and grace and gentleness because it's truth spoken in love that God uses to confront the false teaching, the idolatry, the error of this world. That's why this is so important. When you're the order of this, so to speak, remembering God's grace... You're, you're focused on the word. You're, you're ready for the opposition, but you confront error. That's why it's so important for us to focus on the word and to remember God's grace. 
Friends, if we don't know the word, how are you going to talk to that LDS friend? I had a conversation with an LDS guy just a couple days ago. How are you going to know that three things, at least three, you need to bring up with an LDS, with a Mormon? How do you know that you must, first of all, one, bring up about the Bible, the inerrant sufficiency of the Word? How do you know to bring up that, the aspect of the Trinity? And how Jesus is the eternal Son of God, the one and only true God. And then how would you bring up third, how it's salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, who had to die as a substitute for sinners and be resurrected from the dead. Th- those gospel truths, those important truths, those are just three. I mean, there's more. But if we don't know the word, how, how are we going to be able to, to do that? How are we going to be able to confront that error? with grace and with gentleness towards that person who's an LDS. And they ask you, say, hey, so, so I, I notice you go to church on Sundays, like what church do you go to? Bam, bam, right there, it's right in front of you. Take it, run with it, go for it. And you will face opposition. But then you graciously walk them through the gospel. Walk them through. Notice, Paul says, verse 47, Thus the Lord has commanded us, returning to the Gentiles, thus the Lord commanded us, I place you as a light for the Gentiles, you should bring salvation to the ends of the earth. In other words, Paul's saying, the mission is universal, it must follow this order though, it must go to the Jew first, but then to the Greek. But if the Jews reject it, we're going to phase two, man. Phase two is Gentiles. It's, it's not necessarily a shift in strategy, but a focus. And Gentiles took precedence. And, and Paul uses the scripture, he quotes Isaiah 49.6 to back up his statement. It's, and it's just not a proof text. Notice he says, the Lord has commanded. He's commanding us something. They were placed as lights for the Gentiles that they should bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That's, that's what he's saying. Israel was, was, was supposed to be a guide to the nations to show Gentiles the way they can be made right with God like a, a light illumines darkness. That's what they should be doing. Interesting note, the amazing part about this prophecy in Isaiah 49 it actually was originally spoken about God's servant. It was actually originally written about Jesus. But now, Paul and Barnabas represent him to the world. Paul and Barnabas are now extensions of God's work through his son. So Jesus' task continues through his servants, his followers. We are called to be lights going to the ends of the world. Now it's us. So put yourself in here. I've placed you, it's, it's, it's me as a light for the Gentiles. You should bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So now it's, it's us, it's, 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 it's me. Us together. It's always been God's plan to save the nations. For His glory to cover the earth. Well, time out. Is God finished with Israel as a nation then? 
Not really. Some will respond to the truth now, yes. And maybe Gary will and Jerome, who's Jewish. But not all Israel is true Israel. Physical descent versus true spiritual descent. There's a remnant chosen by grace, but a majority of the Jewish people have hardened hearts. Romans 11.25, Paul says, Brethren, I don't want you to be uninformed about this mystery. I should be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel. That's why you don't see many Jews coming to Christ. Very few and far between. But the gospel, as it's preached to Gentiles, it makes Israel envious. Paul says earlier in Romans 11, verse 11, he says, um, but by their transgression, that is them rejecting the gospel, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous to make them envious but yet he says in the same chapter chapter 11 of Romans one day Israel nationally speaking will look upon the one whom they pierce and they will mourn they will nationally as a whole respond to their Messiah and believe that's why he says later on verse 25 of Romans 11 until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in and thus all Israel will be saved just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, he will remove ungodliness from Jacob, and this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So one day Israel, nationally speaking, will respond to their Messiah. And I believe it will be right before the Lord Jesus returns, and then he will reign as king over the whole earth from Jerusalem with his people at his side, Jews and Gentiles, the body of Christ, as one. That's what will happen. Here, back in Acts 13, here's a typical response from Paul. He, he, he would start at the Jewish synagogues proclaiming Jesus. He would face persecution from the Jews. Then he'd move on to Gentiles in particular, strategically going towards them. It became a pattern. Notice now, we're, we're still on that about confronting error. Go to verse 51. After they, they had... Um, instigated persecution verse 50 against Paul and Barnabas drove them out of their district verse 51 but they shook off the dust of their feet against them and went to Iconium as a response to those who drove them out of the city Paul and Barnabas they left the city and they shook the dust off their feet as a symbolic act against those who opposed them Uh, Jesus spoke about this Luke chapter 9 verse 5 Jesus said to his apostles uh, 9 verse 5 and as for those who do not receive you as you go out from that city shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them so why did Paul and Barnabas what's, what's the whole symbolic act of shaking the dust off the feet shaking the dust was a way to show that they are responsible those people they're responsible for their action against them Paul and Barnabas No trace of the people's response will be left, even the dust from that town on their feet. So they said, we're done, we're going to Iconium. And that's what we'll look at next week. So the responsibility for denying to the community further light of the gospel and the opportunity to receive the gospel 
will be upon those Jews. Whether it's the leaders or the Jews, whoever. It's, 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 it's on them. Not upon Paul and Barnabas. It's, it's your fault. So friends, as you face opposition, and then you're going to confront the error, there may come a time when after rejection, constant, continual rejection, we shake the dust off our feet and leave the responsibility to the person or persons who rejected the good news, it will be on their head. It will be their fault. So running through again, we, we, we spent a lot of time on confronting, confronting error. We talked about remember God's grace, focus on the word, preparing for opposition, confronting error. A couple more. Number five, trust God for fruit. Trust God for fruit. Verse 48. So Paul says this. We're going to the Gentiles. We're coming outside of this Jewish synagogue now. And when the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and glorified the word of the Lord. They were excited and gave glory to the word that the Lord had spoken regarding salvation to them. They responded to the message of God's grace in Jesus Christ and they were excited. Oh, yes, the message for us. Awesome. They were just glorifying that word of the gospel. So not only has God graciously opened the way of salvation to them, but he did it in such a way that Gentiles did not need to become Jews. So they need to be baptized as a Jew. They need to be circumcised or go through this ritual and this custom. No. You repent and trust Christ. You're in. You're saved. And then notice this next statement. As many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Those ordained to eternal life believe. Here we see God's sovereign work over salvation. And that he assigned those who would believe in Christ. God chooses certain people and those people will believe. Or I'll put it in a double negative for you. None of those whom he has chosen will not not believe. Maybe that'll help you to figure that out better. No, it just confuses me more. Okay. We'll take the first statement. God chooses certain people and those people will believe. That's his plan. Now, realize this though. Election doesn't save you. Jesus saves you through the means of faith alone. But the reason why you respond to the message, the reason why you repent, the reason why you trust Christ is because the Father has chosen you before the foundation of the world. That's why. Look, only God can open hearts enabling people to listen and respond to Him. I mean, Jesus, He said it even stronger. John 10, 24. The Jews gather around Jesus. And they're saying, how long we keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, just tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you. You don't believe. The, the works that I do in my Father's name, these bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you're not my sheep. It's not the other way around. You're not my sheep, therefore get... No. The reason why you don't believe is because you're not my sheep. But my sheep hear my voice. My sheep 
I know them. They follow me. I give eternal life to them and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. The people who come to believe in the Son are a sheep. That's what Jesus was saying. That's what Paul's saying. That's what Luke's saying here. The reason why some people don't believe that they will not respond to the gospel and they go to the grave and they say, I will not, I will not, I will not believe in Jesus and they die. The reason why is because they're not his sheep. And you proclaim the gospel till you're blue in the face. But only God's chosen respond to Jesus Christ. You know, isn't it interesting that here you have this evangelistic story and Luke puts that right in the middle of it? Isn't that striking? Now some people say, well why do you evangelize if God decides to be saved and given grace? The others he passes by. So why do you evangelize them? On the contrary. Election gives greater faith and trust in the Lord God because we have confidence that as we proclaim the gospel, God will save His elect, His chosen ones. But which ones are they? Hmm. Good question. I don't know! That's why we give the gospel to everyone. We simply proclaim the message and let God take care of the rest. That's not my problem. He will work in hearts because His word will not come back what? Void. We trust God to bring the fruit. How do you know if you're a healthy church member? How do you know you're a healthy as a follower of Christ, you trust God to bring the fruit. You trust in His sovereign grace. When He wants, who He wants. God has decreed the end, yes. But friends, He also decrees the means to those ends. And the means that He's decreed, He's appointed, and people coming to Jesus is to the proclamation of his gospel by his people. So don't discount that. We give the gospel to everybody. But his elect are there. Think of it this way. Here's an illustration which I've heard before, I think from John Piper. Nails. Wood. Why do they make nails? To go into wood. Dig a rocket scientist to figure that out. So you have a piece of wood. You got a nail. Go ahead. Go into the wood. Now, I might be stupid, but I don't think the nail will automatically go into the wood. So what is the means that's used to take the nail into the wood? What's it called? A hammer. Take the nail, nail it into the wood. The means by which you nail the nail into the wood is the hammer. The means by which God uses you to give someone the gospel, for that person to be saved, is you giving them the gospel. Is you proclaiming Christ. 
That's the means that he uses. Isn't that amazing? He can have the chairs speak the gospel. He can have that piano. He can have these beautiful flower decorations that are fake. They have beautiful flower decorations to proclaim the gospel. But no, he uses stupid, flawless, arrogant, rebellious, dumb, kind of don't need, can't think and put our foot in our mouth people. Right? Praise his name. So a healthy church member, trust God for fruit. And of course, which leads us to number six, which is what? Of course it's going to be, you proclaim the gospel. Verse 49, the word of the Lord is being spread through the whole region. This is amazing. The, the word continues to spread. These believers, they were changed by the gospel of grace and then they start speaking it. And more people are responding to the gospel. Look, friends, converts speak it. They respond to the message and begin to speak that message. They speak it and they live it. They speak it and they live it. One responds in repentant faith to receive the benefits of salvation and then proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ that they can have the benefits of that salvation too. Do you have the benefits of salvation today? Are you a follower of Jesus? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? God should judge you. He should. Is every right to? But he's gracious and kind in Jesus Christ who lived who died on the cross as a substitute for sinners and physically rose repent turn away from your sins and put your trust in Jesus Christ he will save you and this gospel truth Christian church member follower of Jesus if you know him today are you proclaiming the message to others are you proclaiming this gospel truth that's how you know if you're healthy. And last, number seven. They're filled, healthy church members are filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse 40, 52. But the disciples were continually filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. Healthy church members, they're remembering grace and focusing on the word, prepared for opposition, they're confronting error. They're trusting God for fruit. They're proclaiming the gospel and they're filled with joy in the Spirit. Which is interesting because in, in the midst of persecution and opposition against the good news of Jesus Christ, they're filled with joy. They're controlled. That's what it means. Fill Phil means to be dominated or controlled. Ongoing joy. Ongoing spirit involvement. Nothing can stop the progress of the gospel, not suffering, not persecution, nothing. We're moving forward. God's spirits will enable joy and perseverance in the midst of intense persecution, in the midst of opposition against you to the good news of Jesus Christ. You'll be full of joy. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? One of them is joy. So satisfied with your God. And so dominated by the Spirit of God, dominating your attitude, dominating our actions, as we're submitting ourselves to Him and His Word. See, these, all these, they go together. They're together. These seven characteristics. This is what a healthy church member looks like. This is what a healthy follower of Jesus looks like. So be encouraged. Pray for God to work these qualities in you and through you. By His grace, praise His name. 
May God do that in you. So let's do that. Let's take a few moments. Let you take some time to ponder what we've seen in God's Word, to pray through these, remind yourself of His grace. Praise His name. We can focus on His Word, that you're prepared for opposition, ready to confront Aaron. We're going to trust God, proclaiming His gospel. May He fill us with His joy and the Holy Spirit. Take a few moments and ponder from what we've seen in God's Word. Then we'll do our time of giving our last two songs. We'll sing and then eat together. Let's think. Would you stand to sing when I survey the wondrous cross?
that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me I sacrifice them to His blood. See from His hand, His hands, His feet, sorrow and love for me. Such love and sorrow me, or thorns compose so rich a my soul, my life, my own. Demands my soul, my life, my Jesus, I love Thee, I know Thou art mine.
very grateful for your love for us. And we're very grateful that when these qualities, these characteristics are not apparent, and many times are not, we forget your grace. We're not reading your word. We're not prepared. We're not confronting. We're not trusting you. We're not proclaiming the gospel. We're not filled with joy in your spirit. You give grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you that you are continuing your work in us. That's a good thing. We need it. And that's why Jesus had to die. Because of those sins that we have done. So we come with forgiveness, joyful, thankful. And we come to say, use us. We are yours. Work in your church amongst your people. Thank you for our food. And we long for the food of your word as we long for this food and conversations to be about Christ, the gospel, and encouraging each other, stimulating one another towards love and good deeds. May that be done. Amen.